Do you have a show or a YouTube channel, podcast, or relevant product that you want to promote at the top of the Elseworlds Exchange? Well, now's your chance, man. For 50 bucks, you'll get a month's worth of plugs at the audio version right here of the Elseworlds Exchange. Right at the top of the show, first thing they'll hear, now it'll probably still be my voice, but you'll write up a short one-minute plug, we'll record it, and toss it at the front of the show. Or, alternatively, for 20 bucks, you can get a month's worth of plugs at the end of the show. Right after you hear us sign off, same deal, one-minute scripted plug for your stuff. How do you take advantage of this incredible opportunity? Just go to therealcomicpop.com, hit the contact button at the top, and fill everything out, and we'll work it out through PayPal. By the way, we do reserve the right to reject or accept based on our own personal taste. I'm not going to plug your Nazi podcast, man. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm not sorry about that. But you're not going to do it anyway. So go to therealcomicpop.com, hit the contact button at the top of the page, fill everything out, and we'll work it out. Worth it. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes a friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusade of the law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I'm Sal. That's Dupe. And, of course, Jason Inman of Jawin at DC All Access. Jason, thanks for joining us again. Dude, thanks for having me. I love doing our chats, and our, our, our it was so much fun last week that I'm excited to do it again. Ditto, man. Uh, at the front of the show, before we get started, I know there's a bunch of stuff you're working on, and I want everybody to know about it right off the bat because I'm very excited about it. I participated in one of these uh, one of these uh, things. So yes, you did. Please jump so, in. What's up? So first off, um, today, the beginning of November, uh, or whenever you're listening to this, hello, yeah. future people. I have launched the Jawin Comic Drive for Soldiers. It is my a uh, yearly comic drive to send uh, – this year we're sending 22,000 comic books overseas to their soldiers and their families. Um, DC donated 10,000 comic books right out of the bat, so we're already halfway there. But if you have any old comic books or not really old and dusty comic books, but comic books that are just sitting on a table, please send them off. And you can find all the information for that on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John, and also on I'm my Twitter. G- so uh, please help out with that. I was a veteran myself, and I loved getting comic books. And also, speaking of comic books, uh, just got to shout it out again. My comic book, Jupiter Jet, Woo! is uh, in October previews, and it's in November previews. Uh, and you need to go to your local comic book store and pre-order it by November 13th if you want the awesome issue because... We love comic books, and the best way to support comic books is to pre-order them. It's Kim Possible meets the Rocketeer. Uh, Sal's seen part of it. I'm certain he likes it, or he's just lied to me a lot. Uh, (laughs) No, I own the first issue. I bought it. You read the first issue, haven't you? I have. I have. It's great. Give your review right now. I'm going to put you on the spot. All right. Uh, I love the art. It is fun and youthful without feeling kitty and juvenile. It uh, it literally it it, it has shades of um, a little bit of Ultimate Spider-Man meets. Something I've never seen before. I, I've never actually, like, really... You know what it feels like? It feels like old-school Louise Simonson power pack. I'm down for that, it yeah. Like, it doesn't hold your hand or treat you like an idiot or a child. It's just fun. It's just trying to do something genuine, you know? There's, yeah. no, there's no weird crap going on. <laughs> That's yeah, your quote, man. The spine. So, so, yeah. So, there you go. It comes out December 6th, but, like, you know, comic book shops need to pre-order it now, and it really helps us make sure that the series survives, because we want to do multiple volumes. Uh, yeah. So, there you go. Jupiter Jet and the comic drive for soldiers. Serious guy legs, man. I gotta tell you, you must feel amazing seeing the... I mean, like, you get... Yeah. There are so many, like, having published as well, like, not through a publisher, but self-published, having your book tangibly in your hands is one of, like, the greatest experiences of a creator's life. Seeing your it, book in Previews Magazine, seeing it, like, there, knowing that, like, at, like every comic book store in America is looking at your book and going, like, should I order this? Yeah, it's interesting, too, because we've been, like, calling up a lot of local retailers, and um, 
uh, it's the idea that like some of them have been like, oh yeah, I saw it in previews, and you're just like, Bleh? yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, and that that I think helps to maintain an air of legitimacy. You know, like I saw it in previews; it's literally there, and it doesn't look like you bought a page in previews. It looks like a book that's legitimately just being pitched to to us to order. So yeah, in order to survive, if you need, any, if you want any of your your books to survive, particularly Jupiter Jet, you got to tell mm -hmm. your comic book store to order it. Yeah, and also it helps uh, keep your local comic book shop alive as well. That's true. Yeah, because so, they yeah, pre-orders keep them alive. Because they're on the hook for everything. <laughs> that is right. That is right. Uh, uh, so there you go. Yeah. We got a super chat, which uh, actually I don't think we had any last week. But uh, games. What is, and guns what is a says, super chat? I don't know what that is. Oh, it's like a it, it's priority in the chat where someone pays a fee in order to get their comment like read on the show live. That's crazy. Uh, I know. So uh, you should be qualified for it if you're uh, you know because you're. you're we're we're neck and neck with our subscriber count, so we are. <laughs> yeah. um, but Games and Guns said it's really hard to call most characters ripoffs, as very few characters are similar enough in power set and personality, except for Youngblood, of course. Uh, awkward face. Yeah, I mean, like that's what we're here to find out is like what the commonalities are between some of these ripoffs. Mm -hmm. But more particularly, we're talking about successful ripoffs, the characters mm -hmm. that actually, because there's a million ripoffs. Everyone has like, if if you read a comic book, there's no there's no doubt in my mind that you at some point or another drew a character you thought was totally original that looked just just looked like wolverine that is a great point yeah everybody's drawn their batman or superman character yep i had a yep. my character i think it was future man which of course most derivative title i could possibly imagine mm -hmm. and he looked like a combination of spawn and i think iron fist and i think my thinking was iron fist was so like low tier popular people wouldn't notice i was ripping off iron fist <laughs> i think mine was captain sagittarius <laughs> That's solid. <laughs> but it was a, like a joke. It was a, the idea was like it was a joke. I came up with him in like junior high, I remember. But like the other characters, I can't really remember. No. Uh, but I do know I actually drew comic books on notebook paper and like stapled them together. Oh, me too. Yeah. And I even did a little corner box where it was like, this is 99 cents yeah, or whatever. Yeah, the publisher. Like, we, and then I was yep. like, oh, I got to come up with a publisher name. Um, but to go to Games and Guns comment, I honestly would say um, – I don't know. I think more characters are ripoffs than aren't mm. in some form or other. Because think about it. Batman only exists because the publisher asked all of its writers to be like, we need another Superman. Yeah. You know, so like in in some respects, Batman is a ripoff of Superman. In, I, I definitely agree. I think that uh, I think the Batman's more of a shadow ripoff. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. I mean, he's the, the the fact is that Superman is like the primordial ooze from which all superheroes spring forth. Yeah. Uh, the fact that like, you know, sure, I want to do a shadow story, but I also need to get like I got to get in on that superhero action. No doubt, the cape and the utility belt, any of the accoutrements that make Batman a superhero, come from Superman. Yeah, so. and it is an interesting thing. Like somebody brought up in the comments, uh, and I think they, their comments scrolled away real quick. Oh, Nimrod Canada. That's mm -hmm. a great name. Uh, <laughs> said, are we at the point where there can be nothing that's original anymore? And to be honest with you, I kind of almost think we've been at that point since the invention of television. Mm, interesting. You're going to go as you – know, you're going to start a television because I think there's the, you, you could go as far back as like the, you know, the, the 17th century. Oh sure, I sure. Mean, like I, I, there's a lot of different arguments. It's kind of like I guess the like where does the Silver Age begin? Like, exactly. You know, um, you know, I, I don't know because I think there was enough television was enough of a change, and I, and I do think that Superman is kind of unique. Yeah. Really, 
Um, and you could almost say that almost every superhero after Superman is a copy of Superman. Cause, and you brought up, yeah, Batman is definitely like a weird amalgamation of like Sherlock Holmes, the shadow, um, Zorro. Yeah. Um, all these characters that existed in front of him. And, and there is that idea, that model that there are only, is it nine or seven stories that exist? Right. I remember that model. I don't, I reject that as a, as a English degree holder and as a writer i'm like no there are a million stories out there and they all can be if you are if you apply a cynical or a like narrow viewpoint to all stories sure you could narrow them down to like four to nine Mm -hmm. but i think that the originality comes in the telling of the tale the characters within and the the, and and sure there's plot contrivances that you also require to make the story wholly unique quentin tarantino is like one of a modern example people who are like i've never seen a story like that before it's like you mean to tell me you've never seen a story about people who are betrayed by one of their own like i've seen a thousand stories like that but i've never seen it like that and so as such it, it earns its place in many stories i don't mean to inflate Quentin Tarantino, particularly in light of the Harvey Weinstein situation. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> but let's not talk about uh, QT. But like, uh, but there are many talented creators out there who may, who take something that you could argue is unoriginal, but be, but make something unbelievably mm-hmm. true. I mean, like, look at um, look at the design scheme. I, I don't think I've ever really heard anyone ever say that Spawn looks like Spider Man, even though he looks exactly like Spider Man in the cape. Well, he, yeah, he uh, his his like little white pieces on the his white face. White pieces on the face are, are Spider Man's eyes. Are basically Spider Man slash Venom's eyes. They're the yeah. exact same thing. And then you go like flash forward to two thousand four when uh, they created the new Venom, and mm-hmm. they gave him the little eyes within the big thing. And I'm like, that's Spawn's face. What's happening? <laughs> like everything is. Uh, is a derivative of itself, and and if you live long enough to like meet yourself success, you might find your rip your derivative work becomes someone else's derivative work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know, but uh, I see. I, I'm on on the other side of that where I do think that those nine stories are are all they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is, and it, the interesting thing is what you said is like how each writer twists that. That's yeah. where it becomes interesting because it's the, it's the same idea as like. I mean, how many superhero movies do we have right now? And right. the idea is how how differently are they pulled off from that same um, origin story? Yeah, I mean, like, let's uh, to throw out an example of a character that would be considered a ripoff and was successful, technically, and, and how they're different, how disparate it is, and how it's like, it almost isn't even fair to say they're a ripoff. Look at Namor and Aquaman. Sure. Namor was created during World. Well, actually, both of them were created during World War II. But Namor is a nineteen, like I think, in, I think it was. I think he technically is a thirties superhero. And Aquaman. Uh, I think you're right. Namor is. I think you're correct. Yeah, and and Aquaman comes after that. Two dudes who rule Atlantis, who breathe underwater, who look like regular people. Superficially, same character. Arguably, Namor is nineteen thirty nine. There you go. Arguably, yeah. Aquaman is much more iconic. And oh yeah, then he he transcends the the idea of whoever was if DC was DC back in 1941 being Aquaman like, is 1941 yeah there you go like the fact that it, it, whoever if DC was DC I don't remember if they had changed their name at that point but like, no they were like national at that time right, I believe but like the publisher that made Aquaman books I'm sure they were like we got to do a fish man yeah but how I don't know they they did something right where everyone was like yes I want that guy more than Namor. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You know, that, that those are 
You're probably right because they probably are ripoffs, but it's an interesting thing because I don't look at those two as ripoffs. Like the one that I that I want to talk about the most, and it, like it is probably a successful. It's probably I would say the most successful ripoff. Yeah. Uh, Deadpool. Oh, yeah. Is a ripoff of Deathstroke. And in the most like flagrant and identifiable way, it's why is the cover of this episode. Yeah. There's no well, question. I mean, even. even even Rob Life, Rob Liefeld has said that there he has wanted to write Teen Titans and control Teen Titans for years, and and DC has never given him the shot, which is mind bending. Given that they gave him the fact that Rob Liefeld is Dove. still working, yeah, Hawk and Dove when they were launching New Fifty Two, and they're yeah. like, we're doing new shit, but but also Scott Lodell's still going to write stuff, and Rob Liefeld is going to launch these two characters. Like, I, I, like what, if you were if you're going to give Rob Liefeld a book. In mm-hmm. your new Fifty Two relaunch, why not let him have a crack at the Teen Titans at that point? Well, to be honest with you, I would give Rob Liefeld a crack at any book that he wanted to, because eventually, I mean, for at least the first six issues, that book is going to sell. Right, and then he'll you stop know. drawing it anyway because because he can't be done. Yeah, he'll, you know, like, but at least for those six issues, it'll sell. And as a as a publisher, if you're you know, because comic books are a business, no matter how, no matter how you want to look at it, totally. you got to sell the books or else it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at, at the first six issues, I would, uh, I would test it out because that's the other thing too, is remember when he took over like Grifter and Hawkman and that corner of books, like they sold for like the first, you know, I don't know, five or six issues, but then they didn't. And then he, they knocked him off the book. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but like give him the shot. So like he, um, so he created Death, uh, Deadpool basically and the new mutants yeah. into his like version of the Teen Titans. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, I was just thinking about um, Amalgam Comics and, like, did they do an amalgam of New Mutants and Teen Titans? I don't remember. They did, like, JLX, but they I don't think JLX, they did. They did X Patrol. Did they have a Deadpool character in Amalgam? I don't know. I don't I don't think so because I don't think Deadpool was – I don't think – I think they forgot about him during that era. I'm going to say dead, I'm gonna just, let's see what Google – Deadpool Amalgam character. Yeah. They had to. They had to have done something. Because that that is the that would be the most peculiar. It's actually interesting, isn't there? Like a Batman Superman book where Batman and Superman meet a Deadpool version of Deathstroke. Yes, it, it was the Superman Batman annual yeah. uh, when that first series, and they they redid like the first appearance of um, of their how they met. Yeah, um, and they had this weird multiverse. Joe Kelly wrote it. Yeah, yeah. And it was basically said it was Deadpool, but it wasn't Deadpool. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. I looked up. There is no Deadpool amalgam character, but there is a Deathstroke. Oh, um, yeah. They merged him with uh, Elektra? Daredevil. Daredevil. And they made and they turned him female. So he became Dare the Terminator. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Slade Murdoch, Dare the Terminator. Woof. No. What a missed um, opportunity. But I don't know. If you were to say most successful, I think Deadpool's. Yeah, you're right. That's the reason why you made him the cover. It's probably Deadpool. Easily. No, Deadpool is the most successful, most obvious. It's actually funny how he represents the most successful and the most obvious ripoff. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in the early days, especially when you saw how popular Deathstroke was at the time. No way. Mm-hmm. Um, what about what about this one? Like you, you got out this awesome list from CBR that we're kind of looking at. Yeah. And uh, they make the claim that Vision 
is a ripoff of Red Tornado, which I had never thought about before. But it says in here that Red Tornado predates Vision by like two months. Yeah, I th- they're in the same year, which is why mm-hmm. I was like, eh, like, I feel like there's no question because what year was that? Was it in the 60s? Uh, 68. There you go. I think that um, one thing that comic book fans forget or don't acknowledge, mm-hmm. and one thing that the industry has kind of shied away from in the most recent decade, is that they used to, DC and Marvel were like on the same neighbor, in the same neighborhood, and they all knew each other, and they kind of all were, they didn't collaborate, but like, Carmine Infantino and Stan Lee's get lunch together all the time. Like, yeah, and there was a uh, sorry to interrupt. There was a I don't know if this is time, but Len Wein was roommates with another big. Um, I'll, I'll look it up because there there is a speaking of this. After you tell your story, yeah. we're talking about this. Len Wein was roommates with some Marvel employee, and there was a time where one of them was writing Justice League and one of them was writing Avengers, and they yes. secretly crossed over the books. Yes, they did. I, I think um, uh, yeah, Barry Allen died in crisis and then they put him in the marvel universe and he's like he's tooling around in there yeah. <laughs> i'm I, gonna I look that think, up real quick and he thinks he's an alien oh man check that out look up a uh, buried alien that was what he that's the name he remembered in the marvel universe but uh these guys are friends and the concept of like hey we're making this uh this robot he's a he's a man but he's a robot and he can make tornadoes and shit and he's red i can imagine marvel being like okay cool well we're gonna do our we're gonna do our guy because there was enough room in the pool for everybody. Everybody was kind mm-hmm. of like, sure, we're competitors, but like, all our books cost a quarter. You know, it's it, it, there's no real competition in as much as we're all kind of supported by ourselves. Which mm-hmm, actually, mm-hmm. I've been doing some major research for an upcoming video that we're working on um, that supports that claim today that the industry is supported by both companies. Um, but yeah, I, I can see it really the, is. I, I could see Red Tornado slash Vision being the product of two creators who were just like, I'm doing a Red Robot. Oh, well, I'm going to do a Red Robot. Not, oh, yeah, what's your Red I, Robot going to do? Like, I, I, it really it really feels like, to me, like the Marvel guy saw Red Tornado was like, we can do that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm saying, like, it could be that they, like, looked across the, the across the street and said, Red, Red Robot, screw that, we're doing Red Robot. Mm-hmm. But it could also literally just be like, hey, I'm making a Red Robot. You should do one, too. Or like, hey, let's see how, which which ro- which robot of ours sells better, you know? Yeah, like just more overt than it is like covert. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, so I looked up buried alien. Yeah, and you're so right. I I've never heard of this character before. It's so great. This character called Runner. Yeah. That Marvel put in their series, and like he couldn't remember who he was. He was a speedster, and the last thing he remembered was his death. Yep. Um. So like that's that's pretty amazing. Well done on that Marvel. He only yeah. he only appeared in Quasar, that which is pretty cool. Which is how um, no one but, knew he existed because no one was reading Quasar. Yeah, the thing about the thing I was talking about was Steve Englehart, Len Wein, and Jerry Conway had an unauthorized intercompany crossover. There you go. Um, and it happened in um, Avengers '85 and Justice League of America '87. Um, okay. And basically, it was the idea that um, these characters all went to the same location, the same town, for the same event. Okay. And they like passed each other. They they both went to the same like parade, I remember. <laughs> and that's how they like technically had the same crossover. I like that. Yeah. It's really cool. It's yeah. I'm trying to look it up right now cuz like I'm looking at the pages for it right now and it's they, they both go to the same town during the same uh celebration. That's awesome. In the same month. 
I love that. And I like that, like, it's interesting that Justice League and Avengers had, were only two issues away from each other having the same number of issues. Mm-hmm. There was, before um, Justice League Avengers happened in the early 2000s, when Kurt Busiek and George Perez was doing it again, yeah. uh, when Mark Wade was writing Justice League of Just JLA and Kurt Busiek was writing Avengers, mm-hmm. they very closely became, had, in, in, the, in their titles, crossover. Yeah. It was I've like that before. So, yeah, it was crazy. So, like, you would have seen Avengers happen, show up in, like, JLA 60, and you would have seen the Justice League show up in, like, Avengers 40. Oh, and you're like, cool. whoa, how, how awesome is that? Yeah. I mean, and I, like, I, I always love those moments. I know that uh, in, I think, after JLA Avengers, the, uh, Krona turns, uh, yeah, Krona turns into, like, an egg. But then mm-hmm. the Justice League take the egg and bring it back to their universe. And they're like, well, yeah. after we... After you hung out with those guys, we're gonna do this. And I'm like, whoa! They reference their own their own thing. Marvel, of course. Yeah, like, yeah, they did that. Happened. They did that quite quite a while. Um, but yeah, another uh, big another big rip off. I think we should talk about, and this one's a pretty obvious one as well. Is um, Green Arrow Hawkeye? Oh yeah. Oh, you got Hawkeye being the rip off of Green Arrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on, like you know, like when Stanley was making the Avengers, which I know. Uh, because Justice League of America was selling at the time, and his his editors were like, "We need a team up book." You know, like Stanley was just like, "All right, we need our Arrow guy." Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's no question that Stan was like, "We need a team of people, so we won't cannibalize our own books who are made almost specifically for the team book." Mm-hmm. Um, I know that JLA was selling well because you literally kids were thinking to themselves, "I'm I've only got fifty cents." And I'm going to buy the book that has the most characters in them because I get more bang for my buck. Mm-hmm. So that's why JLA was selling so well and why the, the Marvel guys needed to boost up their game make it I make a team book. But what's funny is, of course, like JLA had the team of characters that all sold their own individual books. And, J- and Avengers is like, nah, here's a bunch of characters that gives a shit. Yeah, here's a coach character you've never met before all in one book. Yay! Yeah, here's Hawkeye. <laughs> He's just who in the JLA Avengers crossover uh, is referred to as Purple Arrow, which I think is yep. amazing, because you know Clint Barton would not put up with that shit. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, is, is Hawkeye... I love how this... Of- by the way, I gotta point out this this idiot in the comments, uh, because <laughs> Dr. Meatball, yeah. uh, wow, they do not realize Robin Hood was a thing, or Green Arrow wasn't a ripoff. I'm sorry, Dr. Meatball. No shit, Green Arrow is a ripoff of Robin Hood. Yes, we're talking about characters that rip on each, each other. Uh, you know, even going back as far as Batman, like Batman's ripoff of the Shadow. Yeah, technically, I, I would say that since Robin Hood is in the public domain and is in the cultural consciousness since, I don't know, for the last hundred years. Yeah. Uh, or more, and, and more. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact is, Green Arrow was inspired by. Robin Hood, you know, like, sure, were the yeah. DC people like we got to make our own Robin Hood, probably, but I mean, even Batman's a ripoff of Robin Hood. Yeah, like being the vigilante that goes against the shit. I mean, come on. Yeah, like no, so many superheroes <laughs> are ripped off of Robin Hood. I mean, but but to be honest with you, until the Neil Adams costume, yeah, it wasn't like so direct. But yeah, of course it was Robin Hood. I mean, even to be honest with you. Batman, Robin of Batman and Robin is, is a, a ripoff of Robin. That's where they got the name. That's where they got the name. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> what's ironic is my favorite uh, uh, acknowledgement of that is actually in All Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. When, yeah. When Dick Grayson chooses to become Robin and he or he calls himself the Hood, and then Batman takes the hood and covers his face with it, and says, "Lose the hood, you're Robin." And I'm like, 
that's gold. Then I see Damien adopt the hood, and I'm like, well, when is he? When's Batman gonna pull the hood? When's over he gonna his shove face? it over his head? <laughs> because that's the first thing that anyone would do. And I'm like, you know, I gotta give it to Frank. That's not that's not wrong. Um, it's technically right. Yeah, you know, um, we, we've been dancing around the, the biggest ripoff because. Uh, what do you see as the biggest one? Uh, I think Shazam slash Captain Marvel is okay. One, is one? I mean, like obviously Deadpool's the biggest, but like I think that. Shazam slash Captain Marvel is such a ripoff that within the context of his creation, like they, they literally were just like, we got to make a Superman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as you pointed out, and I think in the last episode, he was out selling Superman. So DC's like, oh, nope. Or whatever DC was. They're like, oh, nope. We got to sue them into oblivion, own the character, and then not know what to do with him forever. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, we have a big comment pop up. We there, do we have a super chat from Keith one shot. It says plastic man, elongated man, Mr. Fantastic. Hell yeah. Yes. The, the, the stretchy guys for me have all like, especially when I was as a kid growing up as more of a Marvel fan. When I saw, when I saw plastic man, I'm like, right on. I can see the differences. He feels kind of Mr. Fantastic, but I, I can argue plastic man is different from Reed Richards. Then I find out about elongated man. And I'm like, okay, we gotta we gotta put the brakes on on this one. It's funny. We just did a geek history lesson on, on Elongated Man, and we learned that the only reason Elongated Man exists is because the people that created Elongated Man, I think it was Carmine Infantino, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could be wrong on that because he he shows up in Flash, and he didn't realize that DC already had a stretchy character. <laughs> I guess I can see that. Yeah, but he well, he wanted a stretchy character, and he was like, "Well, I don't think we have a stretchy character, elongated man." Yeah. Right. First of all, <laughs> worst name. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. You might as well just call him the like stretchy man, but like the yeah. elongated man, and he mm. never dropped it. They never like nineties ninetyfied like nineties-ified him. And yeah. Extreme gave him like a hood. It's just so yeah. I've never I've never been a huge fan of Elongated Man, but no. but Mister Fantastic is a weird one because there's many stories where Mister Fantastic doesn't ever stretch. Yeah. Um. But they only gave him those powers because again it was a thing of Stan Lee being like, I need a I need a stretchy guy. Yep. Oh, Excelsior. <laughs> they all have to be different. They all have to have their own thing, and they and all those things can't be duplicates of things we we're already doing, unless yep. we did them 20, 30 years ago. In which mm. case, the Human Torch can definitely be a thing. And, yeah, it's also like yeah. you mean. It's also a thing about like Stan Lee's responsible for a lot of these, by the way. Oh um, yeah. Oh, oh, you mean derivative ripoffs? Of yeah, other ripoffs. <laughs> Big time. Well, because Stan didn't like Stan looked at it the way that many comic book publishers do as a business, and he's like, we got to make money, we got to get these characters out, and yep. he didn't he didn't have reverence for the process the way that like we do for his process. He is literally just sitting there in a room going like, ah, oh, there's a spider on the wall, uh, spider guy, like Spider-Man. Yeah. All right, there we go. Like, Now, he took it and he took that concept. We're actually, it's funny, in the chat earlier in the conversation, we thought, somebody mentioned that Stanley died. He didn't. But we were like, oh, shit, we got to change the whole show to be about yeah. Stanley. <laughs> we actually wind up eulogizing the dude anyway. But um, but Stanley, I think the genius within Stanley is that he took he he is a he is in a, in a essence a little bit of a corporate stooge, and yet he infuses this exuberance and life and originality where he's like Spider Guy, right? He's a Spider Man, but then goes like, but what if he's also like a Robin? Like if Robin were a superhero, like a kid, teenager who has the power. Oh yeah, I'm not saying like Stan Lee is very successful. Yeah, 
at this stuff like that. Yeah, because like uh, Joseph L just brought up in the chat, Stan Lee literally ripped off the Human Torch off of the, human, the human Torch. torch. He's, he's correct. And if you think about the Hulk, is a sort of a ripoff of the Thing. A big time. You know. <laughs> yeah, they're cannibalizing their own characters. Yeah, like the, you know. So like, yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, you know, but he he was able to um, he 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 was able to make a lot of them very original. He. You know, Stan Lee has a lot of successful comic book ripoffs. Yeah, that's true. But uh, you know, you know what I think is actually a really, really big one. What's that? Uh, Thanos. Oh, is yeah. A, such a ripoff of Darkseid. In like the most flagrant way. Mm-hmm. In a way that actually is really hurting DC's movies right now because they're like, obviously we should do Darkseid. But you're already you've already been building towards your purple ripoff of Darkseid for the last like ten years. There's no way we could start with Darkseid, and yeah. it sucks because when Avengers ended and freaking Thanos turns around, I was like, God damn it, Joss Whedon, way to screw everything up. Like, yeah, that was the big thing I thought too. I was like, damn it, now when Darkseid shows up, everybody's gonna be like, Darkseid the ripoff of Thanos. Yes, and I I like Thanos in as much as. I don't really like Thanos, but he has interesting stories, I guess, mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, but, goddamn, do I like Darkseid. And yes. he, is, he has a lot of really, really great ideas, and he's he's never portrayed in like a really obnoxious way. Never did Darkseid have a Darkseid copter in an awful Spider-Man joke. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just... Like, uh, but Thanos is just, a, just so derivative. And what's amazing and funny is how how protective Jim Starlin is of Thanos of this ripoff character mm-hmm. and how every time that Thanos does anything original or interesting or like separate from Jim Starlin, Starlin shows up and then writes his own Thanos book that either contradicts it, undermines it or goes completely in the other direction of like what yeah. they're doing with that character. It's yeah. So funny. I mean, Robert Devlin actually reminded me also, what about Mongol? Who is oh, another sure. ripoff character of both of those guys. Yeah. Is Mongo? I thought Mongo was. I'm gonna look that up. I I didn't think Mongo was a dark side ripoff. I thought Mongo was a Thanos ripoff. Oh really? Like, wow. I thought it was like ripoff upon ripoff upon ripoff. Like, well, do you want to know who created Mongo? Jim Starlin. Jim Starlin. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, he's he like, is, I'm writing for so DC he, now, but I still want to write about Thanos. Yeah, Mar- yeah, Mongol is the uh, is the ripoff of the ripoff. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. And but I would argue Mongol doesn't qualify for the list because he never really was successful no um as a as a villain except in mm-hmm. one story and of course you had to drag alan moore out of the the cave to get mongol interesting and even then mongol is just a plot device what if we give mongol a plant yeah well, how, a about plant. A, how about a guy who could punch superman if we if we fought superman with the plant <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so, um yeah. The interesting thing too is is the um, I'm looking on CBR here in this article that you shared with me, and it says in the funny thing when Jim Starlin came up with the idea for Thanos, it says here it, this is from Jim Starlin's own quote. He said that he initially wanted to make a character more like Metron, okay. but then his Marvel editors told him to beef him up, and if you're gonna rip off the new gods, rip off one of the good ones, That's, rip off Darkseid. That is really funny and <laughs> not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cra- it's crazy. So he's he like even is confirmed by Marvel is a direct ripoff of yeah. Dark Side. I mean like they're not wrong. There is very there's no Dark Side equivalent in in Marvel except for mm-hmm. Thanos. 
Yeah. Um, you don't really, and that's the thing about the ripoffs characters in general is you don't need an analog for everybody. Like, no, not, not everyone, not every original character needs its derivative ripoff that also might cannibalize some of the success of that guy over there. But it's funny how much we like to see things line up because of our human brains. We like to see things like we like to see patterns and faces on yeah. Mars and we combine things and see parallels. And man, isn't it fun to see that awesome Avengers versus JLA crossover comic where you see all the equipment. Oh, look at that. It's it's Adam versus uh, Ant-Man. And oh, look at that. It's Batman versus Captain America. I think Darkseid and Thanos meet in like Marvel versus DC, too. They do. It's it's mm -hmm. such a wasted opportunity. It's a way it's a wasted moment. And then they did um, they did another crossover with Silver Surfer. I think it's. Oh, no, it's Galactus. Yeah, it was Kyle Rayner uh, yeah, and Silver Server. And that one, I think, had Darkseid in it. I don't remember. I think you're right. I know. Uh, the one I was thinking of, actually, was Darkseid and Galactus meeting up, which is like, if you're going to have the like, Darkseid meet somebody, have it be Thanos. Don't do Galactus, damn it. I mm -hmm. think it's called, like, Darkseid, Galactus, The Hunger or something. Um, Games I, and I Guns. I think you're right. I think you're exactly right. Games and Guns also jumped in and uh, Super Chat said, speaking of Alamore, oh. what about all the Watchmen characters being ripoffs? That is out of necessity because they were like, we want to do this thing. And he wanted to write about the original characters. The Charlton characters. The Charlton characters. And DC was like, no. And so he's like, fine, I'll just make my, I'll just make literally those characters, but the, but you can own them. He was actually, yeah, he was actually too far. He was quite a ways into the series. Yeah. And at that point, uh, DC got a little scared about like doing that, doing some of these very adult things, the Blue Beetle. Right. And so they changed their mind and he basically had to make them all analogs. Um, to be honest with you, I don't mind that because, yeah, he did create some original characters and stuff like that. And um, I, that's one of the things I like about Doomsday Clock is that Jeff Johns is bringing some of the original Charlton characters that we haven't seen before into Watchmen. Yes, which is like a no-brainer and mm -hmm. cool. It's great because it allows the characters from Charlton that like do work yeah. to work, and it allows you to also use the Watchmen characters that could have legs and be applicable to the DC Universe and put those guys in there. Sure. I mean, like, what's too bad is like I really like the question. Um, I think yeah. he's a really cool character. He works on his own, but I think Rorschach's more popular. Uh, you know, I I think you're probably right, and that's the sad thing about it. I think I think you're probably right. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think that the question is quite as much of a psychopath as Rorschach is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he. Um, you know, I would say the question's probably the biggest pop, the most popular question's ever been is, um, you know, Justice League Unlimited. I thought, yeah, just the show. Yeah, I was gonna say fifty-two. Yeah. But, uh, but oh, yeah. 52, yeah, as well. Um, I'm trying to think about some other ones. Um, Ooh. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, I, this list also claims, um, I mean, Ultron and Brainiac. They're just... It's a no. little bit of a stretch. I think it's a stretch, because I think... Yeah. Because there's, there's there everything about both those characters is totally different. Mm -hmm. Like, Brainiac, depending on which origin you use, has and none of them are that, like, Superman made him. Mm -hmm. um, and then he fought back. I mean, the Kryptonians making him being in the animated series, like that was a great origin for Brainiac, but still totally different from Ultron's origins. Uh, their yeah. goals are totally different. I think Ultron is just a ripoff of like, you know, sci-fi comic booky robots. Yeah, I think that's just, I, I wouldn't even call him a ripoff. I think it's just like, yeah. how about like, how about just an evil robot? Yeah. I mean, look at the original Ultron when he first showed up, he looked like a refrigerator on wheels. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like, damn! Like, if if he's being ripped off, like you might want to start at the drawing board. 
Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's more of a ripoff of like just old sci-fi movies, yeah. I would say. Just just robot. Just it's basically like a Frankenstein story. Um, yes. You know, I created yeah. this. I created this thing. That's my son. It's a monster and blah blah blah. Like you could you could argue that. Yeah, you you know what? That's a great call, Sal. That's probably exactly what it's more a ripoff is Frankenstein. Thank you. Good call, yeah. man. Well, well done. Right. You got applause for that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, that's some great insight. I'm seeing a lot of reminders about the the, the sorcerers and. We're actually having a discussion about that internally because somebody, uh, this amazing artist, drew uh, the entire Compact crew in chibi versions of ourselves. And, oh, like, cool. It's really cool. They look awesome. Uh, she tweeted them out to me. Um, but, like, I'm wearing a Spider-Man shirt and Ben's wearing a Green Lantern shirt. But Tiffany is Doctor Strange in his outfit just casting spells. And, oh, that's cool. And I was, like, thinking about our DC equivalents. I'm like, what would I wear? What would Ethan wear? But then I'm like, okay, but Tiffany would have to just be that character. I guess it would have to be Dr. Fate because Dr. Strange is technically yeah. off of Dr. Fate. Well, I don't. that's a tough – this one's kind of a stretch for me as well. I agree. Um, I get that they're both doctors. That's where I think the ripoff begins and ends. Yes. Is the doctor name. Um, because they're so different. Like – um, Dr. Fate is about getting this magical item that takes control of you. Yeah. And Dr. Strange is about just becoming like a sorcerer guy. Right. Um, I, I think to be honest with you, I kind of get the feeling that when they were coming up, when Stan, Stan was coming up with Dr. Strange, he was like, Oh, what do I call this guy? Oh, there's a Dr. Fate. Well, he can be a doctor too. You Big know, time. like it was just, that's what I, that's what I really think it is because they're not even Dr. Fate serves the Lords of order Doctor Strange sort of serves the ancient one. I don't know. Like there, I think yeah. it's a little bit of a stretch. I I, I agree because I there because because otherwise I think Doctor Fate would sell better. But <laughs> he's yeah, he's so but, unrelatable and he's so like esoteric and difficult to connect with. It's just yeah. The only thing, the best thing about Doctor Fate is the design, and that's why when they amalgamize them, the only thing they kept was the freaking helmets. Yeah, and, and but it's also too like he's. Like, they're the biggest equivalent because they're the most mystical characters together. Right. You know, it, it's the same idea. Like, if a lot of people are like, well, you know, when you when you combine Batman, like, who is Batman's equivalent in the Marvel Universe? It ain't Wolverine. Some people, some people argue Moon Knight. I would argue Daredevil. Big time. No, I... You know? That's why the Batman-Daredevil crossovers are so disappointing because mm -hmm. both creators missed it completely. Because they... Uh, the reason why, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because... This week's back issues is Daredevil Batman. Whoa, really? Yeah, <laughs> by D.G. Chichester, uh, who did Daredevil: Fall from Grace, which is arguably one of the worst Daredevil stories I've ever read. Yeah, um, but completely like all you want to see is these two driven regular dudes who put on like costume. Like people make uh, Tumblr has made a whole career, or Tumblr people have made careers out of just making the observation of like isn't daredevil more of a batman like you're blind like a bat so shouldn't you technically have the bat costume like what's going on <laughs> like, there's so many parallels between daredevil and batman i completely agree um, yeah moon knight i don't even know what moon knight came from or why they would want to do like the idea of their i mean like i i think that the if you would like using your parlance the begins and ends moon knight's ripoff of batman begins and ends with a dude who's scary who stalks the night and has like a all the bullshit, the, the the Moon Knight copter, the butler. Uh, oh, but Batman's butler's British, so this one's French. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and, and the Moon Blades, like all the crap that, like all the all the superficial stuff that Moon Knight has, is definitely a Batman ripoff. 
But when you get to the characters, like Moon Knight could wear a suit and be written by Warren Ellis and be freaking amazing, and Batman could never do that. Like, yeah, you and, 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 and also the the weird um, multiple personality thing. Yeah, I mean, you could argue like Bruce Wayne and Batman, but that's 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 just a secret identity. Like, yes, they didn't even. I don't think anyone. I don't think Bill Finger was thinking to himself like, no, 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 we're gonna do a story where like this this guy really wants to be this like he thinks he's Batman all the time. The the, mm-hmm. the, the the billionaire is the mask. Like, no. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Um, let's also talk about, I mean, this is a super obvious one to me, uh, Quicksilver Flash. Yeah. You know, that again was, I think, Stan Lee. Being I gotta like, have a fast a, guy. We need a fast guy. Yeah. Here we go. Quicksilver uh, sucks. Can we say that? Can we say Quicksilver sucks? You know, I, yeah, I'll give it to you. I mean. He's just, he's so, the worst is, like, there are there are there are so many great analogs between Marvel and DC, but Flash has no equal in, in Marvel. No, and people it, people do see the parallel between Quicksilver and Flash because Quicksilver's fast. Yeah, but there's nothing about Quicksilver that is in any way Barry Allen, Wally West, even Bart Allen. Like, there's no connection between anything like what the the Flash has like. A mythology and a legacy and a and a and a, and a iconic design and Quicksilver just never had a good storyline either. Like, and no. I'll I'll fight anybody on that because he he's never had he's never led a title no. that was any good. Like, exactly. yeah, he's been good as a supporting character, but like, what is his most common theme? Like, he loves his oh sister. my dad's a evil guy. But even then, they they retcon that out. So it's like you took away the Magneto connection. What do you have left? Yeah, the most interesting thing about that character you just got rid of. Yeah, it's because you're mad at Fox. Yeah, it just uh, you know I don't know like Quicksilver is like I always like the Quicksilver. I like Quicksilver when he's with the Avengers. Yeah, because um, he's a foil. Because he's like a dick. It's like having Doctor Plasky on the Enterprise. Like, yeah. But but otherwise, I'm just like yeah, he just doesn't work for me. He really doesn't. No, and. I remember when they did the Marvel DC crossover, the the '90s one. It was like, you know, take the page real estate away from those two and just put it in a in a, in a crossover I want to see. Mm-hmm. Like seeing Quicksilver and Flash. Like Flash is just inherently faster. Yep, that also was during the time when Wally West was like hitting light speed. Wally West has never. There's no one faster than Wally, and yeah. damn. I love yeah. that moment. Wally's faster than Barry, everybody. Deal with it. <laughs> yes. The other thing I really like, I will say this, Kirk Busick, man, he knows his shit and he really makes it work. When he did have to do the crossover uh, comparison between Flash and Quicksilver, mm-hmm. when Quicksilver's in the DC universe, he is like, oh, man, uh, he's like, I'm going to, I'll, I can tap into your speed force too. Yeah. And you're like, that's kind of neat. Like, I like seeing Quicksilver kind of like brought down. Being like, mm-hmm. I'm not the fastest alive, and may, and like the only way that you're able to be fast is by tapping into some inherent like mystical thing, and like because I, I can imagine being a speedster, being like kind of intrinsically drawn to it, and finding some kind of like like almost like finding a god and wanting yeah. to worship it, and being like, I'll tap into it too, and it, and it rejecting you and having no interest in your bullshit because you have a mutant power that makes you fat. It's just no. I remember, yeah, I remember Wally was like slow in the Marvel universe too. Because he didn't because have the speed, no speed force. force. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He was. I think it's interesting. He was hamstrung. Yeah. I love that. Um, I guess Doom Patrol is a ripoff of X Men. Is it? I've heard it. Well, I've heard that so many times. 
And because they're hated and feared and they're different and mm. I don't know. I, I, I think they're so different. It's like, I don't, I don't know, see it. Well, the one we got to talk about, even though I love them so much, mm-hmm. uh, Wildcats is a ripoff of X-Men. To the point where... But so is Cyberforce, and so is Youngblood. I mean, every team that was created in 1996 is a ripoff of X-Men because X-Men made bank. Yeah. Like, I mean, you could, you literally just need to look at, I mean, Jim Lee drew X-Men when it was at its highest popularity. Yeah. And and there's a cover, we're looking at an image right here that, like, we're looking at a cover that's like Cyblade on the cover of an, uh, of an, uh, Wildcats cover, and it's exactly the same cover and pose as like Wolverine on this X Men cover. Oh yeah. Oh no, it's the same damn pose. It's the same character. It's the mm-hmm. same powers. Uh, I guess is uh, is is Zealot basically Psylocke. Yeah, Zealot. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say she's Psylocke. Yeah. Which is kind of too bad because like Psylocke's kind of a throwaway character. It's like yeah, you could rip off Jean Grey, but I guess Jean Grey is Void. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Marlo is uh, Professor X. Yeah, no, it's just obvious. And I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you the crossover between uh, Youngblood and X Men because I didn't read Youngblood. <laughs> I never, I never read just a Youngblood. Straight either. up, did not give a shit. No, I, I never liked you. Nothing about Youngblood that I like ever. No, I, I liked the design of Bad Rock, mm-hmm. and then I was like. But I could just read the Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah, I, I did like his big eyebrows. That's about it. Yeah, I like Bad Rock. I, and I was always mystified by um, Rob Liefeld's success in his cre- in just the flagrant ripping off of the characters. I remember mm-hmm. Jason and I are, are, are around the same age, and we read Wizard Magazine. Yeah. And so obviously, like every time I opened it, I felt like I saw an ad for those those. Youngblood masks that they made, these big, full... Uh, there was a... I don't remember those. Dude, there was this amazing... There's this huge write-up of Rob Liefeld. Every other issue was a write-up of Rob Liefeld, but one of them, Rob is being carried by a Bad Rock impersonator, like a dude in a full, licensed Bad Rock costume. Oh, my God. And I'm like... It, it, I, I can see why people think that comics make you a millionaire. Because the way it was presented during this crazy decade, you could create, you could make anything. Yeah. And it would become a cartoon. Sh- Obviously, if I create something that looks a little bit like the X-Men, I can get a cartoon show. I can get a movie. I can get like a, I can get a miniseries deals. I can get like, I can have an ongoing series where I only put out every third book. Like, I don't have to meet deadlines. Yeah, I mean, think about it. We had a Savage Dragon cartoon. Cartoon show? Yeah. It was on USA, for God's sakes. I mean, to be fair, I remember being like, you had to go to USA? Mm, that's mm-hmm. too bad. Fox didn't say yes, huh? They would. They were looking for shows. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, it, but as well, uh, Wildcats was on CBS. CBS. That's, yeah. Hey, listen, that's like prime real estate for Saturday morning cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I remember liking that cartoon when I was a kid. Oh, I mean, yeah. come on. Uh, I, um, but Wildcats is funny. I don't... In terms of ripping off, I think it was really mostly just the aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Like, Wildcats never felt like X-Men, and I think that's why I had such a hard time connecting to it. Yeah, sure. 
because I didn't really care about their struggle, or I didn't really. I, I think it was mostly because I didn't quite understand what the hell was going on in Wildcats. <laughs> I don't know if anybody did, but I, I still like. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, continue. No, it's all good. Uh, I, well, another one we got to bring up because a lot of these like early image ones and later image ones are like direct ripoffs. Um, just, just, just char- character for character. Yeah. Let's talk about the the most obvious one though, and that is Fighting American oh being God. the ripoff of. Captain America. Now, this was after Rob Liefeld. He had just been fired from Marvel uh, for Heroes Reborn. Yes. And so he went and bought um, like this character, the rights of this character um, called Fighting American. And basically, he's Captain America with different colors, and he has a shield and stuff like that. And then I believe that um, Joe Simon and his family sued him. Yeah. Yeah. And he had to stop releasing it altogether. And it's crazy because he actually had – Jeff Loeb was helping him write the damn thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's actually kind of amazing to see the amount of talent that was working on early image books mm-hmm. that were just garbage. But you're like, Alan Moore's writing this? Mostly it's for spite. Yeah. But, but Jeff Loeb, Kurt Busiek, uh, uh, John Byrne, a lot of different yeah, right? like, major mainstays – and notable big two creators went over to DC or um, Image and just did this and, and wrote for this garbage. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, that 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 one in particular is uh, is vexing to me. I remember, um, yeah, Fighting American. Uh, there's also a funny thing about Fighting American in as much as he had a shield because Rob Liefeld, as you said, he drew pages for that Heroes Reborn book. Yeah, and and as we know, Rob Liefeld also used to ape off other people's work. He would... He just redrew himself as Fighting American, himself. Captain he, America pages. Exactly. So he was like, I'll just erase the ears and change it a little bit. And so now my Fighting American pages, or my Captain America pages, become Fighting American pages. Mm-hmm. Um, that is... that. That's like... I can't even know... I don't even know if we... That, 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 that offends the term ripoff. Because... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. It's just, it's just outright laziness. Like, well, it's also, too, it's like... Where where in his mind did he think this was going to work? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know because like I mean, you knew this lawsuit was coming. Oh no! I mean, like Mar- Marvel has a hard time selling a Captain America book, and then yes. you're going to go and make a Captain America ripoff character. And by the way, wasn't going to be published by Image. It was going to be published by like himself or some other. It, yeah, it was some other like yeah because that was the time period where Rob Liefeld was not a part of Image anymore. No, he was he, would, he had been kicked out. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I was actually rereading. I had to reread some some old Gen Thirteens, and I found uh, the 13th issue, which is this crazy story where uh, a member of the team has to go through the entire Image universe, and he he happens upon this like Image town, and each little mm-hmm. like corner of the town is like. Is a representation of the the company, and oh really? All of these like Rob Liefeld, Youngblood s characters were just kicked out of Image Land, and they're all drawn <laughs> like top heavy with like the word blood on their chests or boom or explosion. That's funny. It's amazing, but like they they had they handled Rob Liefeld with extreme prejudice back then. Um, That's crazy, but I, but I but I respect him for doing it because uh, Rob Liefeld also has. Another character that is a ripoff, and that is Supreme. Supreme. Which now, is the ultimate Superman ripoff. Now, that's interesting, because let's talk about Supreme, Superman, and the other guys, because at, oh, there's Marvel, a lot of them. Yeah. at Marvel, you've got Hyperion, you've got Sentry. Yeah. And 
than Captain Marvel, like as you talked about before. Yeah, but I don't think and and Supreme over over Image, and I feel like Hyperion and and and, uh, Sentry are not so much Superman ripoffs as they are deconstructions of Superman. Sure, like they are, and Blue Marvel. They 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 come from a place where you're like, I'm doing this thing, and I want to talk about Superman, but I want to look at Superman through this lens. Like they're doing something creative and original. Yeah, you know, and that's I think the point that is that should be made very clear here is that we don't mind ripoffs. Oh no, if they are great or have a reason to exist. Yeah, like that's the reason why I mainly give Supreme a pass. Right, because Supreme was like all he get, Rob Liefeld gave it to Alan Moore and basically said, "Hey, you remember that Superman run that you never got to finish back in the '80s? Just do it here, <laughs> right? And, and I'll draw it." And and I and I'll draw it. Chris Sprouse will draw a lot of it. And that Supreme series actually is really good. I, I know, really yeah. like the Sentry as well. The Sentry I think is a really great reconstruction of Superman. I agree. And I don't think it came from a place of like Marvel going, we gotta have a Superman. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think Gladiator's it, from that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Gladiator's the one that doesn't work that well. But the but a lot of a lot of interesting ripoffs come from um, it's like Apollo and Midnighter. I think the reason why Apollo and Midnighter work is because you're just like, well, what if Batman and Superman were gay? Right, and that's like an original idea, and it and it go it transcends ripoff and becomes like uh, not even parody, but more like uh, homage slash like originality. Yes, yeah, and that's and that's exactly right. And like, um, you know, I, I can't remember parts of Supreme, but I think Supreme is like, what if Superman was immortal and knew that he was in a comic book? Yeah, I love that idea. You know. And you know, and of course, Alan Moore made it awesome. Alan Moore Superman stuff is always amazing because he wants to—he's telling something interesting and original, and he's not just like, "Well, what if Superman could punch out the moon?" Like, it's more like this is a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I—I I, I like. Uh, I think it's funny. Supreme, Supreme. If it wasn't Alan Moore, I would say is it just a flagrant ripoff. Oh, hundred percent. But if what you're telling me is true, and the the the, the it comes from a place of. Alan, just take your Superman page, take a take a page out of my book, take something mm. you already worked on, and then just change a bunch of it. Like, Have you ever the, read it? Was that? Have you ever read Supreme? No, I no. It was it was literally it was Rob Liefeld. And back then, I'm like, I don't have anything to do with Rob. There Liefeld. there is a run of Supreme. I don't know where it is. I'm gonna try to look it up real quick for you. Um, okay. There is a run on Supreme, and I read it because um, a buddy of mine who's a huge Superman fan, even bigger than I am, mm-hmm. literally. Um, uh, gave me the Alan Moore issues. Now it starts in, I just looked it up. It starts in Supreme issue 41 and Rob, I believe has nothing to do with it. Mm. Um, it's just Alan Moore and it's, it says for the first issue, the art is Jerry Ordway. Oh, oh shit. Who's a great artist. That's a Superman artist. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And then, and then he gets Chris Sprouse. That's the book that made like Chris Sprouse was like Supreme. And I believe, um, for the next, like, 10 to 15 until issue 56 it's all it's all alan moore and it's alan moore like doing these superman ideas and these superman deconstructions and all stuff like that i would totally recommend reading it like from issue 41 on you're gonna have to do some uh long box diving to find it yeah but but it's easy um, to find especially if you find like the image section you can oh yeah yeah but don't but don't go don't read any ones earlier than that and i (laughs) it is very new reader friendly like alan moore at issue 41 really does a good job of being like hey here it is and and ease your way in Um, yeah i I um, always that's interesting that because what about uh what about miracle man Oh yeah, Miracle Man too, man. Isn't Miracle Man also an Alan Moore deconstruction of Superman? 
And isn't, uh, and isn't Dr. Manhattan also an Alan Moore deconstructive Superman? Well, I would say... Uh, I know that it came from a place of Captain Adam, but like nobody cares about Captain Adam. Yeah, I would say it's more Captain Adam than that thing. Um, Miracle Man, interesting. I didn't think about Miracle Man. Because every uh, time I think of a Superman deconstruction written by Alan Moore, I think of Miracle Man, and then it's like, oh yeah, but there's also Supreme, and I wonder if Alan Moore had... I wonder if there are similarities, since I've never read Supreme, if there's similarities between Miracle Man and Supreme. No, Supreme is really, is very much Superman. Okay. It's like literally Superman. Miracle Man is kind of a weird, I don't know, like Miracle Man sort of like, I always felt like has tinges of Captain America in it and like mm. in, in, in Captain Marvel in it. And okay. uh, especially the psychic, the psychic is, is like straight up um, Captain Marvel. Oh, okay. Or Captain Marvel, like they, I, I, Miracle Man seems more like Captain Marvel to me, hmm. and the sidekick is Captain Marvel Junior because they all can like God. turn in and out, they oh, can change. Okay. There you go. And I think he says like Atomica or something like that, and that's how yeah. he becomes Miracle Man. I forgot. <laughs> I, think I, I right. stopped reading Miracle Man when they were like, "We're never gonna." When Marvel, when Marvel was like, "We're gonna collect it and finish it," I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna finally read Miracle Man." Yes. And I started buying all the single issues. And then they stopped doing it, and I was like, oh, so you're never going to finish the storyline. I'm just going to stop reading. And oh, it is no, Komoda. I... Thank you. Thank you, Remix. Yes. Komoda. Because Atomic backwards. <laughs> Kimota. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Komoda. Um, yeah. So. Ripoffs, man. What was that? Ripoffs. Yeah. Ripoffs. It's funny. Somebody uh, <laughs> in the chat, uh, this is a good transition for the end, but somebody in the chat reminded me or asked me or asked really generally. What's the difference between a ripoff and an homage? And I, let's talk about that while we, as we, as we wrap up the show, because I think that's a, good that question. Some, that's a great question. Because some of these, and I think that the ripoff, I think that it, it, it comes from a place of where you are in the process. Um, mm -hmm. An homage is, I have this idea that I'm inspired by from a thing I like, and I want to express it. And I will pay homage, I will reference the thing that inspired me to talk about this original idea I had. Uh -huh. And a ripoff is, I, I have to come up with something now. And I'm not creative enough to do that now. So I'll do that. You um, know, um, that's tough. Um, it's weird because I think simply enough, like an homage would be something that is made with love. Yeah, and a ripoff is something that's like I need this for money. Yeah, or, or or I need this because this company wouldn't let me write this character, so f you, I'm gonna make that character like kiss a donkey right. on a cover cover. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, there's, there's it's it's there. something like that. I, I don't. That's what I think it more is because like I think most homages or deconstructions like still do respect to the character. Yeah. Um, but don't like you know, don't explicitly copy it. Right. You know? Yeah. I like did you read the I, new Captain America issue? Uh the new Mark Wade one? Yeah, from Wade I, Sammy. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I just read it today and it is Mark Wade's Superman. Really? But it's Captain America. And I've ah. read because I've read Mark Wade's Captain America and his two other runs. Yeah, yeah. me too. And it's great. <laughs> but this just feels like Superman. And I think Interesting. I think it's kind of an homage to Superman. I think that Mark Wade feels like Captain America is Marvel Superman. He has become that, especially with the movies. Yeah. And he really has. And I don't think he's wrong. And I'd mm -hmm. like to and I'd like that to be 
you know, if I if, if he's approaching it from that perspective, that book's going to be freaking amazing. Great. Because um, Mark Wade is such a good Superman writer, and it's too mm. bad he won't write Superman until a bunch of people leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's not gonna get a sh- shot at Superman anytime soon. But uh, his uh, what was his book? It wasn't irredeemable, was it? I think it was. Yeah, because there were two of them. There was, oh, is it was it irredeemable and inc- inconceivable or something like that? <sighs> yeah, some other word that meant the same thing. Yeah, but, he, but irredeemable yeah, ir- is definitely Mark Wade. Irredeemable is a good is a nice little Superman homage. Yeah, that, but that's an homage. Like it came from a place of like I want to do something about I want to tell. It's more like I okay. Here's the difference between rip off and homage. A, a, an homage is I want to say something about Superman, mm-hmm. and a ripoff is I want to do a Superman story, but yeah. I can't. But I can't. Yeah, like I'm talking about a character versus I'm doing that character. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. live to rock is correct. It's incorruptible was the second title. Yeah. You know, uh, Irredeemable. I, I I really enjoyed, and without any spoilers, if you read the first issue, yeah, it's totally a Superman homage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun series that went a little bit too long, but it's still fun. I avoided Irredeemable because I think I had read a couple of issues of The Boys around the same time, mm-hmm. and I was so turned off. Oh, I can get it. And I was just like, I don't want to read about anything that anyone has to say about superheroes for a long time. <laughs> I get that. There, there was a period where everybody was doing that. Yeah, um, I just can't. There's a funny uh, somebody. So somebody, I'm trying try to find them in the comments. Penguin movie said, "Is there not a single female ripoff character?" Oh yes, there is. Oh, Black Cat. Uh, Black Cat is a ripoff of Catwoman. Big time. And Cyblade is a ripoff of Psylocke. I can't believe how obvious Cyblade. Google Cyblade, by the way, and you'd be like, "Oh, it's it's Psylocke." Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh my God. No. Um. Well, I mean, like. I'm trying to think. Here's a th- here's what's funny. They Marvel really, really wants Carol Danvers to be Mar- to be Marvel's Wonder Woman. Not gonna happen. But it's never gonna happen. And the not gonna happen because they don't know what to do with her. And yep, they've always mistreated Carol Danvers. Well, first of all, they've always mistreated Carol Danvers. And yes. secondly, they will always mistreat her if they come at her from a perspective of I want to do what they're doing, or I want her to not be this thing. I want her mm-hmm. to be this other thing. That sucks. Um, I'm trying to think if there is like a female Wonder Woman Marvel ripoff character, and I don't think there um, is. One. I mean, I don't think it is. I mean, the closest one. I mean, honestly, like we're talking about comparisons between the companies. I mean, I I look at Thor as the Wonder yeah. Woman character. Oh, big time. Yeah. You know, yeah, especially Thor. since Wonder Woman is now a god, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially, and, and now that Thor is a woman. Yeah. 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 But um. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'll, 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 I'll say it here, and I don't care who crucifies me, whatever. I don't, I've don't. i never liked uh, Carol Danvers, ever. She's hard to get into, and um, I've never liked a run of her. No, I can't. Like, even the modern runs, I don't like. And I think that she doesn't have a distinct character. No. Um, like, because like, when I first discovered who she was, she was a crazy alcoholic. Right. Um, and then she gets her powers because she's sort of like weirdly experimented on and it's mm-hmm. kind of creepy and then in civil war two they just make her a straight-up dick yep and it's just like she she has no consistent character and i don't think she's ever has had a consistent character now maybe that's something the movie's going to be able to give to her mm-hmm. um but i i don't know like i like kamala khan way better than i've ever liked captain marvel i agree i i i will tell you this i um 
the problem is the when she was the most inconsistent, she was her her journey was unsympathetic. She mm-hmm. uh, emerges from House of M, having realized that she was like basically the Superman of the Marvel universe in that timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's like, I want to be the world's greatest superhero. That is a shitty premise. Yeah, particularly for a female character that you're starting at zero. And making her basically be like, I want to be as good as the other guys. Like, that sucks. It's why mm-hmm. I've always liked She-Hulk more than most of them. Like, and speak m- of another ripoff. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. But I love She-Hulk. And I think why I jumped to the She-Hulk Wonder Woman comparison is because of John Byrne and his art. Because they both have the exact same hair by John Byrne. Um, and they're both strong women who are tall, who like kick ass and stuff. No, I'm thinking of George Perez. Did John Byrne? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I like She-Hulk, too. She-Hulk's a very interesting character, and I'm actually... I'm really hopeful they can figure out a way to bring her into the MCU somehow. I love love She-Hulk, and I think she is one of the strongest female Marvel characters they have, and the problem is her name's She-Hulk. She is literally a a derivative of the Hulk, even though she's so different. And... Uh, yeah, it's too bad because like I remember talking to a couple of layman comic book guys when uh, when Avengers launched, and I'm like, oh man, I hope She Hulk shows up. They're like She Hulk, really? Like just really? What a waste! Like what a stupid idea! And I'm like, you don't understand. You got to read John Byrne's run on She Hulk, and it'll change your mind. John Byrne, mm-hmm. Dan Slott, hell, even the new person is writing her. Like good stuff, but complete waste uh, because yeah. people will immediately dis- like disavow her legitimacy. Because she's called she superhero character. Yeah, and then that's um, and she was like uh, back in their origin. It's a little yeah. bit of um, Stan Lee being like, "I need a sexy Hulk." <laughs> yeah, what if what if the boys like the Hulk? <laughs> true believers. God what damn. if the true believers wanted to kiss the Hulk? Yeah, put that on a comic book. Excelsior! <laughs> Excelsior! And what's cool is <laughs> I think that when they made her interesting, they they knew that that was her origin, so they took her and they like she knows she's from that place and so she rejected it and i'm like that's that's cool what a cool what a cool idea every yeah. female marvel's uh, every every major su- successful female marvel character is an x-man yeah yeah uh storm is probably storm, one of the most successful Ray, psylocke yep. i mean like any of them rogue mm-hmm. real rogue great all amazing characters that work uh problem is you know you can't put them in the mcu oops Nope, nope. The not connected NCU. Yeah, nope, nope. But uh, anyway. (laughs) Speaking of ribos, hey. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Sexy Hulk. Uh, But hey, um, that is is it. We talked about ripoff characters. There's a million more. I know this, uh, but... There's not enough time. There's not enough time. And the show's an hour. I'm sorry, guys. Yep. But uh, maybe we'll do a part two someday. Uh, but I feel like we really hit on the big ones, so it'd be kind of like weird. Mm. But uh, in any case, let us know your favorite derivative ripoff character in the comments down below, and we'll uh, catch you guys next week. Jason, thank you so much for joining me here on the Elseworlds Exchange. And of thank course, you for having me, man. Always a pleasure. Don't forget, everybody, to check out Comics for Soldiers. Uh, Jason, direct them to your website so they can check it out. Oh, just go find all the information at youtube.com slash Jawin. It's the first video on top of the channel, and my Twitter has all kinds of information for it, too, at Jawin. There's a link in the description box below this video for Jason's channel. Go click it, find it out, check it out, and uh, do it, because it's really nice. We do it all. We, we've been doing it since last year. And it's, uh, that's right. Rewarding. But uh, anyway, that's it. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot for hanging out with us. I'm Sal. 
Bye. I'm Jason. Bye. <laughs>